0: M1280 to Patriot. WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5. K298CO, Minneapolis.
1: For SRN News, I'm Jason Walker. White House opposing efforts by some states to approve ch- a transgender sports ban. In several states, lawmakers are considering or have passed legislation banning transgender athletes from competing on girls' or women's sports teams. White House spokesman Jen Psaki says President Biden signed an executive order supporting transgender rights.
2: Him signing executive order sends a pretty clear message to state legislators, to lawmakers about where he stands on this issue.
1: Backers of the sports legislation argue that transgender girls born as biological males are naturally stronger, faster and bigger than biological females. Greg Clugston. Washington. The Senate approving that
3: massive relief package, $1.9 trillion measure. GOP lawmakers, though, say this measure is simply
0: loaded with pork and has nothing to do with the pandemic. This is SRN News bad decisions limit future options make enough bad decisions and you destroy your life listen to the flatline with your host rick hughes every sunday morning at seven thirty here on am 1280 the patriot the flatline describes a main line of resistance in your soul built on god's word join us every sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration motivation education all without manipulation the flatline with rick hughes every sunday morning at seven thirty here on am 1280 the
4: patriot You're listening to AM 1280, the Patriot weather for today. We got mostly sunny and a high of 61, moving into a low of 36 for tonight. Tomorrow, mostly sunny again with a high of 60 and a low of 44. Our March book of the month is Green Fraud, Why the Green New Deal is Even Worse Than You Think by Mark Morano. You may know Mark from his best-selling book, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. Here he takes a similar approach using science and politics to expose the truth of the Green New Deal. You can win an autographed copy of the book by signing up now at the Freedom Fan Club page at am1280thepatriot.com.
0: Here is The Closer,
5: Brad Carlson. Hey, it's well, baby, the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with hour number two of this edition of the program we'd like to call The Closer. That's me, Brad Carlson. Thanks, as always, for tuning into our show. You can check out my blog at bradcarlson.org. And we are here to take your phone calls, 651-289-4488. You can also weigh in via Twitter. It's hashtag NARN show, that's hashtag NARN show for any comments or questions. And if you'd like to follow along at our Facebook page, feel free to do so. Just go to Facebook.com, do a search for the Northern Alliance Radio Network, and I have confirmed our video stream is up and running. So we appreciate you tuning in there, and a good to see our uh, friend Wild Wilson. As always, a loyal listener to the Northern Alliance Radio Network, weighing in and the uh, Facebook live chat on our Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page. Wild, always good to see you, my friend. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. And uh, we are going to uh, switch gears here, talk a few more local issues, and who better than the Minnesota state majority leader, uh, Paul Gazelka. Uh, Senator Gazelka is uh, here to join us to talk about oh, myriad issues that are taking place this Minnesota legislative session and, of course, this past uh, 12 months has certainly been a unique time uh, at all uh, government levels, uh, specifically having to deal with this coronavirus pandemic. We'll talk about that. And, of course, this is a budget year as well, so a lot of negotiation going on uh, back and forth. Uh, Senator Paul Gazelka, good to have you in the broadcast, sir. How are you today?
3: I'm good, Brad. It's good to be on your show.
5: Well, we thank you for uh, tuning in. I know weekends are a precious time, particularly during a uh, legislative uh, session. So, definitely want to get to some of the uh, key issues at hand. Uh, as I alluded to, Senator Gazelka, this past year we've uh, endured the uh, coronavirus pandemic like all other states across the country, and every state has had kind of their own unique response to the pandemic. And you wrote an op ed in the Star Tribune uh, that I think published this past uh, Friday. Indicating that you know twelve months enough is enough. Governor Walls and his emergency powers. Uh, your colleagues in the House, particularly the DFLers, refusing to take away uh, his emergency powers. Uh, things are dramatically different in the virus and what we knew a year ago to what we know now. Uh, what specifically can you pinpoint to justify that Governor Walls give up these emergency powers, uh, Paul Gazelka?
3: Well, first of all, the 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 emergency is over by months and months and months i mean the yes we're navigating through a pandemic but uh the data clearly says that it's people over 65 that are at risk primarily over 70 Mm -hmm. and a good number of them are already vaccinated and you know i don't have the exact uh the exact numbers today but within the last 10 days the total deaths in minnesota was about 5800 and and of those under age 65 or over 65 was over 5,400. So almost all of the deaths were over 65. And so now that we're vaccinating that group, you cannot make the case that it's uh, an extreme risk for people. And I, I think it's 20 states have already lifted the mask mandates. Uh, those are all Republican states, but we're moving in the right direction.
5: So we, if have you had an opportunity? I know, you and you, you and the governor have uh, uh, occasionally traded barbs, whether it be through the media or through your own commentary on your social media platforms or whatever. Uh, have what's what's the atmosphere been like? Obviously, because of the pandemic, there are a lot of virtual meetings, what have you. Has there been any opportunity at all for the face-to-face meetings? Because that would seem to have a heck of a lot more impact. I understand the social distancing, everything else, but you know the Zoom meetings, Senator Gazelka, just don't seem to be cutting it.
3: Now it's been a long time since I' had a face to face meeting with the Governor. Uh, I will say that the Senate Republicans uh, run the Senate, and we allow up to two people in on a meeting. I'm going to move that up uh, increase the number because you just get better results face to face. Sure Zoom is fine. I mean it's you know you can do it, but it's it's not nearly as good when you're negotiating.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and, and I think that, uh, and w- we've seen this. I mean, the last time there was a, a budget year, obviously a couple of years ago, there was a lot of communication, in person meetings between uh, yourself, uh, Speaker Hortman, and and uh, Governor Walls, and it ended up uh, one of the rare times in recent history where there was an agreement reached before the regular session ended. So, to your point, Senator Gazelka, certainly, uh, certainly very impactful to meet in person.
3: You know, and two years ago. Um, I would say that we had a pretty good working relationship. Uh, um, I was based basically all the things he did that I thought were really extreme. We just stopped. And then we worked at, on um, passing a, a budget together and we accepted my middle-class income tax cut first one in 20 years. We reduced, uh, business property tax, ag property tax, uh, got a break. And so it really was a decent year that a lot of people said, you know, this is okay. But, uh, This last year with the emergency powers, he's made every decision by himself, and that's why I did the op-ed. Are are we better off, you know, with safety and with with education and all the different areas? And the answer is clearly no.
5: We uh, had a report over the weekend, uh, or excuse me, actually on uh, Friday, there was a forecast released by the Minnesota Management and uh, Budget Office indicating that the states have projected two-year budget surplus has actually grown. It's all the way up to one point six billion dollars now, uh, and so with that in mind, Paul Gazelka, uh, has the governor taken tax increases off the table?
3: He, he has not taken tax increases off the table. It's remarkable to me, and you know most of the money is something we call one time. It means it's not it's not going to be ongoing money. Sure, but it still shows that you know you've got a you've got a surplus. Why would you raise taxes and? He has not given up on that, but uh, he's going to be—he's going to have to get used to disappointment if that's something he thinks is going to happen.
5: Yeah, that—I guess that shocked me as well. I mean, when the initial uh, there was an initial projected uh, deficit—I mean, the forecast a few months ago—and I remember specifically talking about how uh, tax increases were still on the table, and that—and even then, it kind of seemed to be quite the head scratcher, simply because. Well, if tax revenues are lower, it means consumers aren't buying as many items, hence you're not getting the sales tax revenue, plus people have been out of work, so hence they're not paying their payroll taxes. So it was really difficult to see how he's been hanging on to these tax increases at all these junctures, Senator Gazelka.
3: Well, you know, it didn't surprise me because two years ago when we had, uh, you know, better than a billion dollars of surplus, then he wanted tax increases. And, you know, he's got uh, an agenda for... uh, implemented a lot of liberal policies that cost a lot of money and we just disagree in the senate and and you know the good news is we have the ability to stop those Uh, senate republicans have a one vote majority right and i've formed a new alliance with uh, two democrats uh, from the range that have gone independent they were just finally had enough of the direction the democrats were going and they're they're more aligned with us than them
5: yeah, absolutely. That, that that definitely does provide a little bit of a, a margin for error, to be sure. I mean, it always felt like the Republicans were pretty well unified when it was the 34 members. But now that you've got uh, the two independents, uh, Senators Bach and Tomassoni, yes, that definitely is a uh, a welcome alliance, to be sure. Uh, along those ends, Senator Gazelka, I know that there has been uh, discussion over the past couple of weeks Uh, Regarding tax conformity, specifically having to do with the Paycheck Protection Program, Uh, obviously at the federal level during the COVID pandemic, this was uh, put into play where uh, businesses were able to get these loans, these forgivable loans, in order to cover their payroll expenses to keep people employed and what have you. Uh, and a lot of businesses here in Minnesota were shocked to find out those were subject to tax revenue, Senator Gazelka. Obviously, that's something you've been working on, uh, scaling back, getting rid of altogether?
3: Yeah, you know, and it's uh, it's Minnesota. I mean, all the states around us don't tax it. Uh, I, most states don't tax it, but unless the governor agrees, then uh, it's going to be taxed in Minnesota, and so uh, we I tried to get it done last year. I didn't get the governor's support or the, the House, but mm-hmm. Uh, it, I'm, I, I believe we will get it done this year, but it, it should be done, frankly, right now. I mean, at the federal level, when they gave out that money, if you kept your employees, then the loans were forgivable, right. and I think pretty much everybody thought that Minnesota would do the same thing. That it, they, you know, it's federal money. Why would you tax it? But you know, it is what it is. But that is one of the big uh, things that I'm trying to accomplish this uh, yet this year, preferably. Before April fifteenth, when people's taxes are due, I mean, it really should be done March fifteenth because a lot of business right. taxes are due March fifteenth.
5: Once again, we are joined by Minnesota State Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka joining us, uh, talking about myriad issues taking place during this Senate legisl- or excuse me, this Minnesota. Legislative session. Uh, Senator Gazelka, I'll wrap up with this. Obviously, uh, the entire state, particularly the Twin Cities region, the city of Minneapolis, is a little on edge, uh, waiting with bated breath the beginning of the Derek Chauvin trial. Of course, he's the Minneapolis police officer who is being charged with the murder of George Floyd. Uh, There's been a lot of discussion, particularly at the state level, of helping out the city cover security costs because there's concern Obviously, of a lot of unrest, which we saw in the aftermath of mr. Floyd's uh, death, uh, what's been going on in the state level, if anything regarding providing security costs because we're I mean we're seeing these kind of uh, kind of horrifying images of businesses being bored up, heavy uh, uh, security being implemented. Uh, what responsibility if anything is taking place at the state level to um, maybe address this particular issue
6: yeah so the
3: the National Guard and the Highway Patrol. Are already state responsibilities and, and, you know, I'm, i I want to make sure the streets are safe everywhere, including Minneapolis and St. Paul.
5: Sure.
3: I think the frustration is and, and how, well, the frustration is they did not respond very quickly. The governor and, and particularly the mayor of Minneapolis last time around. I mean, the, the death of George Floyd was Monday and the national guard was not out in full force until Saturday. I mean, the riots right. started Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I mean, it was like, so it got totally out of control. So uh, the governor wants to be more proactive this time. I, I'm glad. I, I'm glad that he's learned uh, the lesson. He should have not had to learn. He should have known. But but um, and so we're committed. Uh, but I I don't want any dollars to go to the government of Minneapolis to pay for some of these uh, other police groups that will come and help. And so we're. I think we will work out a deal where. Resources are available that are, are under the oversight of the sheriffs and the chief of police, and they'll release money to other uh, police groups that come to help. Whether it's Minneapolis or up north uh, along the the pipeline, there's big protests up there. You know, we're, we're, I'm okay with a fund for that kind of things, but I don't want to reward. Uh, a dysfunctional government The same thing with the, you know, sure. the destruction of the businesses. I don't want to give any money to the government of Minneapolis, but if there's a way to give low interest loans to uh, uh, some of these businesses that, uh, that were wrecked because the police weren't allowed to do their job, uh, then I want to at least consider, is there a way we can do that?
5: Once again, we've been joined by Minnesota state Senate majority leader, Paul Gazelka talking about all of the issues that the, uh, that are being addressed during this Minnesota legislative session, uh, Senator Gazalka, again, can't thank you enough for your time today, sir. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, uh, best of luck with everything uh, getting finished up in an expeditious manner. Uh, this legislative session, we appreciate the time, sir. Thanks.
3: You bet. We'll get it done, and we won't raise taxes.
5: We appreciate that. Thank you, Senator Gazalka. Music to our ears, definitely. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. Back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
0: Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide.
2: Join Gene Sullivan each week on Where You Live, where he takes on...
0: Wake up with the Patriots Daybreak Insider. Today's top news stories from a conservative viewpoint. Sign up at AM1280ThePatriot.com by using the keyword subscribe. That's subscribe at AM1280ThePatriot.com. Welcome
5: back, AM1280ThePatriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network with me, Brad Carlson. Thanks so much for tuning in. Here to take a phone call, 651-289-4488. Get us a weigh-in via Twitter. Hashtag Narn Show. That's hashtag N-A-R-N Show. For any comments or questions, as always, we appreciate you tuning in. Is Vincent still on the line? Okay. If Vincent still wants to weigh in, he is on line too. Vincent, uh, you are well on the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Aloha. Aloha, sir. Welcome back. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Yeah, uh, the weather is a little better now than
6: it was last month.
5: <laughs> I'd say I think I, I think I don't know that it was above zero the last Sunday show I did, January thirty first. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, Vincent.
6: <laughs> Got a question. Um, I don't know. Channel twenty three has uh, news on at times, and like today they had Cheryl Atkinson. Oh, sure. She used to be with CBS, I think, or one yes, of the stations. she you're correct. She left or got fired, something.
5: Yeah, she she resigned because I know there was a—I forget which prominent story it was, but she wasn't allowed to cover it as thoroughly as she wanted to, so she moved on. Well,
6: she's got a show on uh, 23 there uh, to do with um, the border, do and full measure, they're going to have more tomorrow, next week. The question I was going to ask the senator was, people are, since January, you know, running around trying to get into the United States yeah. from the south. And even the at the wall there, they stopped working on that there. So people are going to be coming across, and they may or may not be tested for the virus 19, according to whichever newscaster is talking so if they're going to be coming they're going to just put them into the states you know and how's that going to affect the state government there and you know the senator was talking now how's that going to affect you know the funding or trying to get these people tested if they happen to end up in minnesota you know
5: yeah that's an excellent point i and i mentioned that uh, in the first hour, Vincent, because of Texas has lifted its mandates, you know, Hello. allowing businesses to be open up as well as getting rid of the mask mandates. And if there is an outbreak of COVID, I guarantee that's what they're going to blame it on not not the illegal aliens testing pot or uh, being racked with COVID while running around and thus uh, spreading the disease. So yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. The states have much purview, obviously. Anything COVID related? I mean, COVID. They for COVID, there's been testing sites that have been set up. obviously the the vaccine is free and what have you. So as far as how they're handling the illegal aliens, it's amazing Vincent, uh, there are young there are kids coming across the border that are being held. In welcome centers. Now, when Trump was president, they were called cages. Now they're called welcome centers. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Yeah, I heard something about <laughs> that. Terminology got changed. Yeah, a little bit. Amazing how that happens. So, yeah, yeah they were called welcome centers, and uh, and it was met with thunderous applause when uh, Joe Biden indicated as such. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's a concern, uh, to say the least, uh, you know, especially with all the finger-wagging, we're told, shelter-in-place, mask-up socially distance, and then if you let a bunch of folks who are infected with COVID just stream across the border. Not really sure how that fits into the safety protocols, do you?
6: No, I don't know. (laughs) Also, are you going to Washington, D.C. when the president holds his first press conference?
5: Yeah, he hasn't held one yet. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) uh, I, I saw this the other day. Uh, in the past 100 years, no president has gone more than 33 days without giving a solo press conference. We are now, I think, 50 days into the Biden administration. so Maybe we
6: could put the Northern Alliance there to tell them you're going to come to Washington to ask questions of the president for the first press conference, maybe they will hold one day. We'd we,
5: we love that, yeah. Thanks for the call, Vincent. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to do it, but uh, I don't know that it's, uh uh, quite in the quite in the budget, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. A lot of people were I saw this kind of circulating around Facebook uh, last week and say, when is Biden going to give his State of the Union address? That usually takes place in January. Well, here we are in March, and he's not even given a State of the Union. Well, to be fair, the last six presidents have not given a State of the Union address in the year in which they were inaugurated. So that's not unique, uh, but the part about not holding a solo press conference within the first five weeks of your presidency, yeah, that's unusual. And again, I think we're in. If my math is correct, I think we're at day forty-seven, maybe fifty, close to fifty, of Joe Biden's presidency, and is yet to hold a solo press conference. So, yeah, that's a uh, that's a concern, and even some people in media, particularly Jake Tapper of CNN, uh. Which isn't a, he isn't exactly a Republican stooge, even he's brought that up, but at the to be fair uh their're kind of media's kind of self serving from that standpoint, so <clears throat> we'll keep an eye on that to uh, be sure uh got about five minutes left in the segment I'll at least start on this particular story we may pick it up the next segment, but we were talking a little bit about the trial of Derek chauvin, of course he the officer being accused of uh, homicide, I think the charges are second-degree murder, second-degree manslaughter, and I believe the third-degree murder charge is going to be allowed to be reinstated uh, because there's no way he's getting charged with second-degree murder. That's just not happening. So if he would only get charged with, say, manslaughter, yeah, that's going to cause quite the uproar, so they want the opportunity to levy third-degree murder charges as well. But this has to do with the plans that the city had for social media influencers. Now, I don't know if you remember this particular story, but this was first. Let me uh, I blogged about it at uh, uh, bradcarlson.org this past week. Yeah, I, I pretty much took off most of the month of February uh, from blogging as well, so I kind of had to get back into that mode a little bit too. So, yeah, I'm back to my three, four posts um uh, per week, uh, blogging, and I talked a little bit about this uh, particular one. This was the first reported by the Minnesota Reformer uh, two weeks ago, where the uh, where Minneapolis was turning to grassroots to keep the peace. And again, I'll read a little bit of their story. Uh, the area around the downtown Minneapolis courthouse where Derek Chauvin will soon go on trial for the murder of George Floyd is gradually taking on the look of military occupation. Concrete barriers, boarded-up windows and barbed wire clad the buildings. A security force of 2,000 National Guard troops and 1,100 outstate police officers will soon be on patrol. But the city is also turning to what political scientists call would call soft power enlisting the aid of grassroots organizations and even social media influencers to disseminate factual information and diffuse what some fear will be combustible event in the life of the city. Uh, this has been traumatic, what we've lived through this year, uh, City Council Member Steve Fletcher said, and I think the likelihood that our justice process adds to that trauma seems high. So we need to prepare ourselves for that. Uh, before he was elected to the council, Fletcher was out in the streets organizing protests, training protesters, serving as protest marshal, all of it. Now that he's part of the government, he's trying to use his protest experience to help residents through the trial. Fletcher said this isn't something you can do by signing executive orders or putting a line in the budget for community relationship building. Uh, it's a process, he said. It's a lot of people talking to a lot of people. The city plans to share information on the ground and online and get input from the public through community members who meet regularly, create safety toolkits for residents and community groups, and form a community information network, including partnerships with media that that reach underrepresented communities that don't rely on mainstream media for news. After Floyd died under Chauvin's knee, Protests turned violent, and more than 1,000 properties were damaged, burned, or destroyed. Police officers were ordered to abandon the 3rd Precinct Police Station, which rioters set on fire. Firefighters were unable to respond to fires, and police couldn't get to all the 911 calls during the unrest. Uh, And while much of the focus has been on the police and military plans for the trial, other work is being done to brace the city for the trauma to come. Now, this is where the social media influencers are supposed to come in. The city plan includes paid partnership with, quote-unquote, trusted messengers. Now, who are the moral arbiters that get to uh, determine these folks as trusted messengers? That's what I'm asking. <clears throat> but anyways, I digress. Uh, these trusted messengers will have a large social media presence to share city-generated and approved messages and dispel information misinformation. Uh, hello, propaganda? Does that not fit the dictionary definition of propaganda? Hey, you people who have these big social media followings that uh, are seemingly trusted voices, yeah, we're going to feed you information to put on your social media sites, but only the information we approve. Uh, The budget for the social media influencers was $12,000, with each paid $2,000 to share information during the upcoming trials, according to city spokeswoman. Sarah McKenzie. So, again, this was put out by the Minnesota Reformer, this story, about a week and a half ago. Yeah, they're not going forward with that plan all of a sudden. Why not? Well, we'll get into a little bit of that uh, the next segment. And we'll also take your phone calls as well, uh, 651-289-4488. That is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That is hashtag N-A-R-N-Show. Brad Carlson, The closer are coming back with another segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere.
2: American General, and others to find you the company with the best rates. Give your family the security they need at a price you can afford. For your free quote, call 1-800-881-4747. That's 1-800-881-4747. Or go to selectquote.com. That's 1-800-881-4747. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
4: In 1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage.
0: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melbourne, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to or Corporate Animalist number 1335. Ryan Vrack, Animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota.
8: Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son, founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal.
5: Welcome back, AM 1280 of the Patriot. Northern Alliance Radio Network. This is me, Brad Carlson. Thanks as always for tuning in. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N-Show for any comments or questions. Always we appreciate you tuning in.
6: We're going to rock down to Electric Avenue.
5: Continuing to talk about the city of Minneapolis preparing for the Chauvin trial, particularly how to get the best possible information out there uh, to the public. And again, this was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, where the city of Minneapolis officials as well as the city council uh, included or were kicking around a plan to include paid partnerships with trusted messengers with a large social media presence to share city-generated and approved messages and dispel misinformation. Again, this was a, uh, piece, or a yeah, piece that was put forth by the Minnesota Reformer. Uh, the budget for so- the social media influencers was $12,000, so basically they were going to get six social media influencers, pay them $2,000 each to share information during the upcoming trials. Well, that's not going to happen now, despite the fact that this was initially kicked around by city officials and voted on and approved unanimously by the Minneapolis City Council. This is from Fox 9's website from this past Friday. The city of Minneapolis announced it is dropping its plan to pay social media influencers to push out the city's messaging during the trial of Derek Chauvin for the death of George Floyd. Uh, The announcement, actually this was Monday, Monday's announcement came in a public safety preparations meeting one week ahead of the trial, which is scheduled to begin with jury selection on Monday, March 8. We will not pursue the cultural social media partners, said City of Minneapolis Director of Neighborhood and Community Relations, David Rubidor. When we make a mistake, we will acknowledge that and we will do better, City Coordinator Mark Ruff added. Uh, Minnesota reformer first reported the city's plan to hire six trusted messengers with large social media followings to share city-generated and approved messages, i.e. propaganda. Uh, The city planned to pay the influencers, who were never identified, $2,000 each. Uh, This is just an aside. I am dying to know who they were considering uh, to put out these messages during the trial. You know, would would it be... Obviously, far left progressive celebs, to where two thousand dollars isn't a whole lot to them. They would just do it for the symbolism of it. I'm dying to know who they were considering. I I would be willing to bet, uh, Andrew Zimmern was one of those who they were considering. I have no inside information whatsoever, and what I'm saying is based on 100% speculation. But he's a big name. Has ties to the Twin Cities. He is a prog. I'm 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 betting he was one of those who were considered if not flatly picked out already. So I, I'm just dying to know. Um anyways, I'll continue this Fox Nine story. The city budgeted twelve thousand dollars from a total community engagement strategy budget of sixty nine thousand five hundred dollars for the influencer campaigns. Um, I live up in Ramsey. We don't got no, uh, community engagement strategy budget up there. I'm just saying, uh, urban progressive privilege is pretty sweet, isn't it? Uh, $69,000 in the city budget for that. Oh, and by the way, like I said, the Minneapolis city council, yeah, they voted 13 to nothing, uh, the previous Friday to, uh, (laughs) authorize those contracts. Uh, the, uh, what a debacle. And here's the thing. People of all political stripes on Twitter panned this idea from the outset. So there is still some bipartisan consensus on certain things that governments will come up with. And to me, that was kind of heartening, I have to admit. Because if you're just going to put out the message that the city wants you to put out, how are you getting the best possible information? Because don't you think the city has a vested interest in them not looking bad? So if something goes awry, you know, these social media influencers would just be kind of the uh, equivalent of Baghdad Bob. Remember him? Where there was literally fires raging from tanks blowing up in the background, and he's saying, all is well here in Iraq, uh, there's no uh, there's no military... Uh, uh, operations taking place. No war going on. We're we're good. Everybody's good. Fine. How are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a what a what a debacle! And couldn't happen to a, a nicer bunch of folks, could it? And here's the thing. I think it was uh, Felipe Cunningham, one of the uh, 13 city councilors, Minneapolis city councilors, who basically said, "Well, when when this kind of blew up in their face." Well, I, 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 I kind of wish I would have been more well-versed in this uh, piece of legislation that we were voting on, that what we were voting on, that this was included in there. I, uh, I kind of wish I knew a little bit more. You, you guys get paid $100,000 a year plus. The, these city councilors get six figures, and they have full-time staff on hand that are there for the sole purpose of disseminating this information to you. So do they get thrown under the bus, these staffers? Ah, uh, unbelievable. I uh, wanted to get to another phone call here real quick. Bob in Shoreview is on line one. Bob, good to hear from you. You're on the Northern Alliance Radio Network.
9: Yeah, this isn't Baghdad, Bob. This is Shoreview, Bob.
5: I got gotcha. you, uh, yes. <laughs>
9: <laughs> uh, you know, I think we should prepare the Twin Cities for the possibility that Shelvin might be found not guilty. And the reason I say that is... Um, <laughs> The coinciding of events, or if you want to call it a coincidence, where George Floyd took the massive overdose that could have killed two or three people, and uh, that took about half an hour, maybe 45 minutes to take effect. All that was happening while the police were processing the scene. And then uh, Chauvin has his knee on Floyd's neck while the fentanyl is uh, taking effect and it's an example of the world's worst timing, you know, bad timing sure. for two events to happen, which makes Shelvin look guilty. But, I mean, this is not based just on the video where there's an apparent little packet of fentanyl in his mouth that you've probably seen. This is based on the coroner's uh, report that he had enough fentanyl in his system to kill two or three people. So they, Twin Cities should be prepared for this possibility.
5: Yeah, appreciate the call, Bob. Yeah, and that's something that I brought up in one of the previous segments. Yeah, second-degree murder is not happening. It wasn't happening even with just the video you saw of the 8 minutes, 46 seconds of Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck. That was pretty damning in and of itself. But even with that, second-degree murder was kind of a stretch. Again, from someone who is a legal beagle that conveyed this information to me, the only reason they went with second-degree murder is they wanted to try the other three officers as co-conspirators. That was the only way that was going to happen. And so they had to bring the second degree murder charge. Well, if you saw the entire video from the time they went up to George Floyd's vehicle and pulled him out of his and told him to get out of his vehicle and placed him under arrest to the time they had his uh Officer Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck, uh that whole body cam footage in context, second degree murder is definitely not happening, which is why they were so hellbent on getting the third degree murder charges reinstated. Because if he only gets charged with, say, manslaughter, yeah, it's going to be a lot of unrest as a result. And here's here's my thing. I'm not going to make any predictions on a verdict. I mean, just from a legal standpoint, from, again, people who know the law and what they have conveyed to me, it seems a pretty much a certainty that he should be found not guilty of second-degree murder. Now, as far as the other charges, it's all dependent upon the case. That's an obvious statement. And Bob alluded to the coroners. They're obviously going to be there to provide expert testimony. And so they're, they may uh, validate what Bob was just telling us about the fentanyl. That's, that's obviously going to happen. But it's all dependent upon the jury. And I say that because if you've ever watched the OJ documentary, I it's probably still on Netflix. It was a fascinating documentary. It was like four or five-part documentary. It was riveting. Uh, called O.J. Made in America where they interviewed some of the jurors and a couple of them flat-out admitted, yeah, we probably thought O.J. was guilty. Sure, yeah. they brought it. And, and there was one woman who even kind of said that Nicole Nicole Brown Simpson had it coming because she should have just up and left him. But their rationale was, we witnessed what happened with Rodney King, beaten within an inch of his life at the hands of police officers, and those cops got acquitted of that brutal beating. And because of that, this was our this was our vehicle to enact a little um, karma, a little quid pro quo, if you will, a little turnabout is fair play. So yeah, he probably killed him, but we decided that to, uh, to let him off. There are a couple of jurors flat out admit it. They flat-out admitted it, okay? I bring that up because who's to say you aren't going to get some jury members here? Because when there, when there has been some high-profile deaths at the hands of police, okay, particularly of, of black men, they've been, we've been inundated with it via media, social media, whatever else, and these cops not, get it, not being charged with anything. And so, if enough of these jurors have seen that and said enough is enough, these officers need to pay, they may go ahead and uh, try to uh, get them uh, prosecuted for or charged with second degree murder, or find them guilty, I should say, for second degree murder, even though uh, a lot of legal beagles say that that is quite a stretch. And again, uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that we do get a fair trial and that justice is done but i'm sorry whatever verdict is handed down there's going to be people who are going to be disappointed that's just that's just a fact of life in a lot of these things only have about a minute left do you want to get to alan's call alan on line one alan we've got a minute, about a minute or two go ahead you are on the northern alliance radio network
6: yeah thanks for taking my call i i think keith ellison purposely overcharged the
3: police officers he knew he couldn't get a conviction. But that just sets up another riot opportunity for
5: the left. Thanks for the call, Alan. I Appreciate it. I don't know about that. That seems kind of a stretch. I think I think it, I think you're giving Keith Ellison too much credit. I just I think I don't think he knows what he's doing. I mean, he hasn't had a law license for how many years now, and uh, prosecuting attorney isn't exactly his strong suit. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't agree with that aspect of it. I just think it's just sheer incompetence on Allison's part because, well, of the reasons that I indicated and a a lawyer friend had conveyed to me, the only way they're going to get co-conspirators is if there's a second-degree murder charge. That's it. So that's why it was done. And it was done for publicity's sake, for publicity purposes. He bowed to the political pressure. That's really all it is. So I don't think it's any more simplistic of that. But you're entitled to your opinion, Alan. Uh, I just don't don't agree with it. 651- 289-448 289 8 is the number to call. You can also weigh in via Twitter, hashtag NarnShow. That's hashtag N-A-R-N show. Brad Carlson the closer coming back with one final segment on the broadcast. Go nowhere. I feel the night explode when wet.
4: AM 1280
0: the Patriot.
4: Look at all these options.
0: You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com.
1: Hi, this is PJ from PJ's Appliance Outlet, your local, family-owned, and operated appliance store. No matter where you live in the Twin Cities, PJ's is worth the drive. We're centrally located in Plymouth. Just this past month, we've had satisfied customers from Maple Grove, St. Paul, Minneapolis, Eden Prairie, Bloomington, all over the Twin Cities. We take great pride in separating ourselves from those overpriced big box stores by simply providing over-the-top customer service, great quality products at unbeatable prices. PJ's has quickly become the trusted go-to store for brand new scratch and dent appliances. You can save hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars on brand new warranted name brand refrigerators, ovens, washers and dryers, dishwashers and freezers, top brands like LG, Frigidaire and much more. Come visit our showroom today and ask for PJ, Bob or Jake or visit our website at PJsApplianceOutlet.com. That's PJsApplianceOutlet.com where every deal is a steal.
0: How'd you like to eliminate your expensive cable bill forever or get new satellite internet where cable can't go? Well, now you can have affordable satellite internet service for a few dollars a day. All you need is a mini satellite installed and you can have unlimited internet connections wirelessly in your home or office and no cable boxes means unlimited connections and no clutter. You can surf the internet or stream any of your favorite television services with no cable. And the best part is satellite internet service costs only a few dollars a day for your entire home. Yes, fast internet to surf or stream television for a few bucks a day. Call now for free details and learn how to drop your expensive cable bill. 800-430-8761 800-430-8761 800-430-8761 That's 800-430-8761 The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. BearingArms.com covers Second Amendment issues, self-defense, the latest gear, and more. That's BearingArms.com.
5: Welcome back. AM 1280, the Patriot Northern Alliance Radio Network. It's me, Brad Carlson, back in the Patriot Bunker. So great to be back for the first Sunday since uh, late January, January 31st to be exact. But glad to be back with you. And hey, don't forget our uh, super show that's going to be taking place on March 20th. Yeah, in celebration of our 20th birthday, which is technically Friday, March 19th. But the next day, we're getting the gang back together. So join us for a very special edition of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Again, that's on Saturday, March 20th from 1 to 5 p.m. You'll hear from current hosts Mitch Berg and myself, uh, plus guest appearances from Power Lines' Scott Johnson and John Hinderocker, Hot Air's Ed Morrissey, uh, King Banyan, who is still heard on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman, for the King Banyan Show, Saturdays, 9 to 11, and Chad the Elder and Brian St. Paul Ward, who are uh, members of the now-defunct blog Fraters Libertas. It was a great blog. Sorry to see it go, but, hey, they moved on to other things. That's okay. Uh, former producers John Osborne and Tommy Wynn will be here as well. So we're going to be sharing our favorite Patriot mem- memories, tell some jokes, and probably talk a little politics. I think that'll probably get crop up, too. A lot to cover in four hours, believe me. It's going to go by quick. We hope you can join us. Again, this is a uh, special broadcast, Narn Super Show, Saturday, March 20th, 1 to 5 p.m. And this broadcast is presented by Great Garage Door. I am definitely looking forward to this Uh, The Patriot has been on the air for 20 years. WWTC has been around for decades, but the Patriot, it's been AM 1280 The Patriot since 2001, so for 20 years, obviously. And I've been around for half of it. I started my own show June of 2011, so I've been around for about 10, uh, 10 of those years. And by the way, yesterday, March 6th, was the 17th anniversary of the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Yes, it was March 6th also a Saturday, in 2004, when the Northern Alliance Radio Network debuted. Mitch kind of waxed poetic a little bit about it on his preview on the Northern Alliance Radio Network Facebook page yesterday. And I think he talked a little bit about it during the show. A uh, lot of great memories. I was a I was a fan, a longtime fan of the Northern Alliance uh, before I became a regular host. In fact, I, I first started listening to them their first year, 2004, listened on and off. And then after the 2004 election, I was a regular listener, it was appointment radio every Saturday since 2005. And uh, to now know that I have my own show, it's pretty remarkable. And to hang out with these guys who I consider uh, mentors and uh, just now friends, it's going to be a blast. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Do you want to get to another call? Uh, I believe this will be one final call of the broadcast. Got a few minutes left. Bob is calling from Woodbury. Bob, you are on the Northern Alliance Trader Network.
7: Yeah, hey, congratulations on the uh, anniversary and to you and the crew and the alumni. Uh, My idea that I don't ever expect to happen was, you know, people don't listen and they don't trust. I mean, we don't trust who the city council might uh, enlist. And it's unlikely that even though it was their propaganda that anyone would listen or pay attention. So my idea is, well, why not get, You know, somebody that actually is a known spokesperson for the Black Lives Matter or somebody like Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson, somebody who should, who is trusted, somebody who's always there every time, say when things are wrong, to say, look, it's just not going to be second degree murder Mm -hmm. because there's no conceivable legal way it would be second degree murder. And, of course, I know. I think I know I could be wrong that those people are not, are not going to do that because it doesn't serve their
5: purpose. I don't believe they would either. Right. You're correct.
7: <laughs> and, 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 and it's, and it's disappointing because, you know, and, and I mean, I guess if you paid Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton enough money, uh, they might do it, but it you know, wouldn't be 6,000 bucks, you know, you know, they're, they're <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> you know, their, their, their shakedown fee is in the six figure range. So, you know, um, see, I have one other comment, if I might, yeah, you bet. About about Dr. Seuss mm-hmm. and this whole cancel culture. You know, I, I think the, the left is maybe eating one of their own here because I love Dr. Seuss. I love Cat in the Hat. I love Green Eggs and Ham. But if you have read the Butter Battle book, uh, he, that's all about, you know, nuclear war and mutually assured destruction. But in that book... He essentially says that the difference between communism and capitalism and democracy and freedom is the difference between whether you butter your bread on the top of your bread or on the bottom of your bread. Mm -hmm. In other words, as if it were a trivial difference. Sure. And oh, my gosh, I, I, I just not a fan of that because it's horribly wrong.
5: I was gonna say that seems to be a be a little more distinction than that, but uh yeah, that's not the best analogy either but uh given Dr. Seuss's worldview, he was a progressive, and he, i guess from what I understand later on in life uh expressed regret for some of the stories he written, I guess for some of the some of them that maybe kind of perpetuated racial stereotypes uh again, I haven't seen the quotes, but apparently uh Dr. Seuss has been on the record saying that he expressed regret. Over that, so whatever, uh, you know. I uh, all I know, and thanks for the call, Bob. All I know is that um, uh, people who seek to ban books are never on the right side of history, you know. And again, if there is no longer a market for it, and you want to get rid of them, whatever else, I I get that. That's fine, free market and all that. Uh, and even with this this is kind of one of those gray areas because it's not the government mandating that you can't buy these books anymore. It's a lot of these, um, you know, big tech uh, big tech uh, platforms like eBay said they will no longer sell if someone wants to sell their Dr. Seuss books on eBay. Uh, eBay came out and said, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. And it's like eBay is like an online yard sale. How can you dictate uh, what consumers want to buy and sell I just I don't know that that just gets into a gray area where now I'm starting to come a this is way too late in the game to really for me to develop this I get that these big tech companies are not government and therefore oh private business they can do whatever they, whatever they want and I appreciate that aspect as a free market capitalist but when these big tech companies have more power than the government uh, I'm thinking we need to take a second look at it sorry folks folks I enjoyed it Back at the Patriot Bunker, kind of like riding the proverbial bike, back next Sunday. Godspeed, my friends. Have a blessed week.
2: Receive a $5 rebate by trading up any non-contact thermometer toward an Exogen Temporal Scanner purchased at any retailer. Fever is a leading symptom of COVID, and using an accurate thermometer has never been more critical. In published studies, no-touch thermometers miss more fevers than they detect. While the new COVID vaccines are becoming more widely available, it's important to make sure you are protected. Monitor for fever with an accurate thermometer backed by more than 80 published peer-reviewed clinical studies. Details at Exogen.com, where accuracy matters. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome timeshare.
0: Whether you owe ten
3: to $250,000 on your timeshare, it's my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau.
2: Want to learn more about getting rid of your troublesome timeshare? Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation. Call 800-881-4242. That's 800-881-4242.
4: 800-881-4242. Hey, this is Isaiah with the Kingdom Builders. In John 3.14, Jesus says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There was a time when the nation of Israel sinned against God. As a result, God sent poisonous snakes into the camp, and many people died. But God provided one cure. He told Moses to make a serpent of bronze, place it on a pole, and to spread the news. To be healed, just look and live. In the same way the poison of sin is rampant in the world today, on our own we are hopelessly sick and headed toward eternal death. But just as God provided a cure for Israel through the serpent on the pole, even so, Jesus Christ was lifted up on that Roman cross, shedding his blood to redeem us from our sin. Jesus is the cure if we will but look and live. If you have any questions or comments about this or other scripture, you can reach me at Isaiah at thekingdombuilders.com.
7: Dad, guess what? What?